0: Hello and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor Francisco and I'm your host. The Tiny Moments Podcast is all about appreciating those tiny moments in life because one day you're going to look back and realize they were actually the big moments. Expect a lot of conversations about life, self-love, growth, and sometimes TMI. (laughs) if you're listening, you take something away from this episode or you feel inspired, or maybe you just feel a little bit happier than you did earlier. Thank you so much for being here with me and let's get into it. Before we hop into this episode, I wanted to let you know that my social media manager and virtual assistant four-week live training course is now open. In this course, we are going to learn, create, and execute a plan to get you to your social media manager and or virtual assistant goals, whatever they look like. When you're done, you'll have all the tools it takes to run your social media management and or virtual assistant business, land your first clients, and make an extra 5k a month or more. To register now, you can head to melrosemarketingstudio.com courses. And if you want to sign up with a payment plan, use the code payment plan to do two equal payments of $300. Hello and welcome to the Tidy Moments podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm the founder and CEO of Melrose Marketing Studio, your one-stop shop for everything you need to be successful on social media. And I am so excited about our guest today. Reagan is the founder and owner of Style Bar Winnipeg, a local boutique and an absolute staple here in Winnipeg. Style Bar is an inclusive women's lifestyle boutique carrying clothing, accessories, maternity, apothecary, lifestyle, and baby items. If you've been following me for a while, then you've definitely seen me post about Style Bar because a lot of my favorite staple wardrobe pieces are from them. Reagan, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm Reagan.
1: You actually did a very good job of introducing me because that's exactly (laughs) what I do. Um, I've had Style Bar for it'll be ten years this year, and we've been on River Avenue in Osborne for the last ten years, and. um, we have evolved a lot during that time, but we do women's clothing, accessories, lifestyle goods, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Amazing! I can't believe it's been. Well, actually, I can because you're definitely a staple here. But ten years. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I almost feel like some days it feels like ten days,
1: and sometimes <laughs> it feels like you know way longer than ten years. But yeah, it's time has just flown by.
0: So crazy. Okay, I want to take it. Back, back, back to before Style Bar was a thing, like, how did you get into clothing? Did you always dream as a little girl that you would have your own business? Like, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of have like a pretty um, extensive background in some of this stuff. So my dad started a family business in 1972, um, so 50 years ago. And um, so I always saw the hustle that my dad had to do. He started it when we were kids, he was still trying to build it up. And so I saw that dedication. And it was hard because I, you know, he wasn't there for some of the moments, he wasn't there for my soccer games. But it was, um, you know, it came with rewards. And as well, right, we were able to take some of those family vacations, because schedules were more flexible, things like that. So that was always kind of a dream of mine. I just didn't know what, in what state that would be. So um fashion was always something I loved. Um, I remember even when I was, gosh, maybe six, seven years old, and you'd have your indoor shoes and outdoor shoes (laughs) at school. And I didn't want to wear those indoor shoes because they didn't match my outfit. But they're the only the one pair of indoor shoes that I had at school. So I I remember that kind of stuff distinctly. Um, I went to university in Manitoba for, um, oh gosh, Three years before I really kind of decided what I wanted to do and at that point um, I called my parents they were away and I said I'm having a quarter-life crisis I'm moving to California and they said no way you're not moving to California and I said I applied for school I'm moving to California so I went to California that following year um, and I attended FITM which is the fashion institute of design and merchandising in LA um and i took their fashion merchandising and design program and i fell in love with it then um then i came home and i worked at a couple different places big name places here in winnipeg moved to toronto worked in toronto and this whole time in my head i had this thought of like how am i going to make this my own business how am i going to transform something into my dream so throughout the time of my time in toronto um i built my business plan kind of started dreaming up the store and my contract of the position i was up in toronto was up and i was like okay hey, it's now or never right i'm not working my contract's up i decide not to renew it i i'm going to go home live with my parents i'm 28 years old um and see if i can make this work and so yeah that was 10 years ago so it was like a wild ride leading up to that but um yeah, it was great. I learned a lot, you know, before I opened the business, which I think is is super important.
0: Wow. Okay. I had no idea your <laughs> story. And I'm also like so excited to hear that you went to Fit 'em because as a YouTuber myself and just watching so many YouTubers, I just remember seeing so many girls go to Fit 'em. It was just like my dream life. So, I mean, obviously now I realize like as much as I love fashion, I have some other passions which lie in like content creation and things like that. But very cool to hear that you did that. I want to know kind of the timeline, like how old were you when you went to California and like, were you scared? Like what was life like out there? What was school like out there?
1: Um, so funny you say that because when I was there, the big thing was Laguna Beach and the (laughs) hills. So I actually went to school with Lauren Conrad and Heidi. Heidi was first there no Um, same years yeah it was 2005 2006 so (laughs) (laughs) I was 20 21 when I when I went
0: um okay wait sorry did you talk to Lauren Conrad and Heidi like did you interact with them not Heidi but Lauren I had a couple classes with no way
1: it's funny because (laughs) prior to them (laughs) showing up I had Started a, a semester or two before them, so I was there for a couple months before they entered the school, and then it went from like people wearing juicy couture and all that to school matching sweatsuits to like dressing to the nines the minute yeah. they shot because you had to sign waivers before you went into class, and if one person didn't sign the waiver, then they couldn't bring the, the camera crew in. Um, yeah, it, it got wild for a while there because it was like people were just like people are in LA for a certain reason a lot <laughs> of the time so having like a reality TV star when reality TV was just kind of starting um was very exciting to a lot of people um yeah and so i yeah i had a couple classes with lauren she didn't really talk very much to be honest um <laughs> but she was very kind and then heidi heidi didn't stay very long um but it was a small campus. So we saw, I saw a lot of the filming and seeing them do the same take 10 times, <gasps> which I know it was like, I remember one day we were in the courtyard and they were going from one end to the other and they did it over and over and over again. And I was like, so at, whenever I watch that show, I'm like,
0: no, this is not real. <laughs> yes, okay. Like, I'm prompted. Yeah. Okay. But like, however, your old me would have... <laughs> freaked out like i'm even freaking out just hearing that you saw the filming go down because i religiously watched every episode of laguna beach every episode of the hills and the hills after show and even still to this day i will like re-watch some things and i think to myself like how did i not realize that was so staged but also it's just with the time right like the style back then that's how that's how we perceived reality tv as real obviously we know better now but that is so cool that you saw that (laughs) Yeah, it was I like,
1: I have this one memory of it, like really clear that I'm sure if I watched the show, I can see exactly what scene that was because I saw it go over and over and over. So <laughs> they didn't, excuse me, they didn't fil- film a lot um, on campus. I think there's probably a lot of pushback from people about it, but um, I did definitely see them sometimes. in the library and things like that. They'd have the cameras in there.
0: That's so crazy. Okay, so you are twenty one. What is it like living in California? Going to them? Like, what are you doing? How's what's the vibe up there? Um. Well, I was kind
1: of in that stage of like party girl, kind of fun. But I moved there when I was twenty, so I couldn't legally go to the bars. So um, <laughs> I had to work around that, and it was it was great. Like, honestly, I think I did so much growing up being there by myself it was the first time kind of away from my family not living with my family i'd lived with them up until that time that i moved um and you kind of were forced to grow up and, and experience life and it was a whole different life than what i came from it was you know going from winnipeg to la as yeah. a 20 year old girl is a huge culture shock you know um but it was great i met some fantastic people and Um, Some of the people I went to school with and some of my roommates are still very close to me right now. And one of my roommates also has a clothing store in Louisiana. So, Mm you know, it's kind of neat that we have that in common still. Um, Yeah, it was it was a great time, but I wasn't um, legally able to stay after I graduated. I could have stayed for like one year for an unpaid internship, but I just couldn't afford to live in L.A. for a whole year unpaid. Um and I had gone. No, <laughs> like it's <laughs> impossible unless I want to go into like crazy debt. And then even then, after that one year is up, you're not guaranteed um to stay. So I was I chose to come home and I worked at NyGard for a while. Mm. And then I was there for about a year um and moved on to a different company that I was at for close to five years that they were amazing. They were, um, uh, manufacturer here in Winnipeg and they were shutting down. And that's why I left. Otherwise I probably would have stayed there for even longer. Um, so they ended up shutting their doors and then I went to one of their competitors in Toronto. Um, and then I decided that's when I decided to do the store, come home.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you like why you decided to leave California, but you know, like you said, who can afford to live there for a year unpaid? Like it's just not happening, but. You know, it was,
1: um, if you think about it, like I was there 2005, 2006 and nine 11 wasn't far before that. Right. So they're very strict on who they're allowing to stay in the country and stuff. Um, I just remember when I applied, they were like, when you apply for the school, if you get in, like there's no guarantee you're ever gonna be able to stay. <laughs> Unless like you get someone to sponsor you. And it's like but that like you have to prove that you're not taking a job away from an American that can do the same job. Um so yeah, I decided to come home and make a go of it here. So
0: cool. Yeah, I love that. And I'm I'm glad you did, obviously, because now I get to experience style bar here in Winnipeg. But I wanna go back a little bit to like your Toronto days. So that's kind of where Style bars started. What was your, if you had one, like your aha moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to do this. Like, what was that like?
1: You know, I think it was kind of a mix of just being fatigued from working so hard for a different company, you know, and the principles of the company maybe weren't super aligned with how I would do things. And you just get, I got so fatigued for doing it for them and working long hours. And I'm like, Knowing that I always wanted to open my own business, I think that like amplified my feelings as well. Um, so when I when my year was up, I had I had a year contract with this company. Um, I had decided not to renew. Um, and I was toying with the idea of getting a different job in Toronto or coming home. And I just couldn't find anything that I excited me. I was like, I'm not just gonna take another job just to take it. I want to Find a job that I either love and um, would see myself looking there, working there long term, or I'm gonna come home and do what I want to do. So, um, before I moved home, though, I kind of finalized all the details of Style Bar. So when I was off work for like those two months in between, um, I was still living in Toronto, and uh, I made my business plan. I did everything I needed to do, and once I secured the funding, I was like, it was like full steam ahead because I was able to secure the funding. We found a place to rent and then it was like a snowball. It was like madness for like six months. I, It just went by so quick and things, there was no point where I was like, okay, I got to slow down. Like I wish there was that point, but you're paying rent now and you're doing all this. You have, you've just taken out, insane amounts of loans, you're like, okay, this is it. I guess I got to do it. And so I did. And yeah, it's been a wild ride.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is so cool. First of all, and I just want to know like, what, how does that all kind of start? Like, where do you, how do you find the pieces to bring in? How do you figure out, okay, what is my, Brand, because back in the day, like, there was no social media how it is now. I feel like now, if you literally Google how to start a business or, you know, how to do my branding, like, you will find resources there's obviously so many courses now there's podcasts there's everything that you kind of need to get started if you are DIYing it you know obviously if you're someone who has the means to do it you can even hire someone you could hire a branding agency you know a social media agency like mine like there's just so much so what was that like for you before all of the social media stuff and how did you figure out yeah like what what your brand was going to (laughs) be yeah you
1: know um when it comes down to like how I wanted to buy, um, that was when trade shows were huge too, right? Like you don't need to travel to buy anymore; you can buy online. That's why there's so many small independent online stores right now because the accessibility is there now. Um, I, when I opened the store, I wanted to be, I wanted to go back to LA and do my shopping in LA because I was very familiar with the wholesale district and area in LA after being there because that was part of the course we took. We lived downtown LA, we explored downtown LA. That was kind of what we had to do. So that was always my goal was to go back and do a lot of my buying there. So I was traveling to LA every six weeks, every two months, like for years until pretty much till COVID. Um, it got to the point that I was going once a month. And then once COVID hit, everyone switched to online. So I can buy every one of my brands now virtually right um, it's the same but now being a mother of two throughout COVID it's kind of made it a little easier for me to be able to run a business and have kids and, and do all that um but yeah before Canva like <laughs> Canva, <laughs> you know when you can like get a logo made on Canva and you can do everything and it's 20 bucks a month you were paying I was paying a branding agency I think I did one and a couple of thousand dollars just for like a package that like was just they gave me this package and was like this is what your brand should be and that's it right yeah and for marketing that was a whole different game too it was like radio slot ads you had you know you tried to get on breakfast television <laughs> you it, you know like print ads like. There was no social media. There was a little bit. There was Instagram was slowly coming, but it wasn't used for what um, it is used for today. It was kind of like showing your life, but in a very un, like scattered way. And there was no stories, obviously. So it was hard to get the reach out there. Um, you relied a lot more on word of mouth, for sure. And right. just yeah, it's wild to think how. How did we find out about these places before social media?
0: I don't hardly even remember. Yeah, I literally don't remember. Like, that's why for me, I'm just so curious about, you know, folks who started before this whole social media thing, because now it's very obvious. Okay, you want to start a business, you need to have social media presence. It's, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts you need to. But back in the day, like, you know, you didn't need that. Even like five years ago, it was just so, it was so different. So how do you find it now versus then? Like, do you like the social media aspect of things? Do you find that it makes things easier for you? Or do you find that it's like another thing you have to worry about now? (laughs) Um, I think it's a mix.
1: I think like, I like that you can have so much more of a reach, Mm -hmm. Like, I can reach people in different countries all over the world if I really wanted to. Right. Um, But I think there's so much saturation out there too of like some content that I think me included get very fatigued for looking at some of this stuff, right? How many stories you can listen to in a day. And, you know, and so I'm torn on it because I know the value it brings to my business. And I know um, that it drives a lot of my business, but it's also exhausting with all of the algorithm changes and all the different platforms you're expected to be on. You know, and with it not being something that I grew up doing, it's a little harder for me to get on board with putting all my efforts into it, if that makes sense. You know, when I was in high school, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, you know, it it makes me seem like I'm not 100 years old, but so much has changed in the last, you know, 15 years dramatically that, you know, it's wild. That what we need to do and learn now but you know to be on all platforms is very overwhelming to deal with but in turn you can't do business without it and it brings a lot of business it's just
0: it's it's overwhelming <laughs> It is. And I think it's really interesting, too, because obviously, I'm a social media manager, I have an agency. And when people come to me, nine times out of 10, they're like, literally embarrassed to tell me how little they know about marketing and social media. And I'm like, do not ever be embarrassed. Because in what world did we have to, you know, master a skill, be good at that skill, be able to then you know, do all the business things to keep that business afloat, but then also be a photographer and a videographer and keep up with the algorithm and do SEO and hashtag research and, you know, engage with your audience. Like there was never a time except for now that business owners have ever had to do that. And so I can imagine it being like, I know for me, social media can be very overwhelming. And it's funny because like, when I'm out with people, especially my friends know this, but people who I'm meeting for the first time, they're like very surprised that I'm not on my phone 24 seven, the whole time we're talking. And they're surprised that I'm not posting in real time, like people will think that I'm still in Arizona for the next probably two weeks, because I didn't post that much when I was there, because I wanted to just be present. But I, I even feel very overwhelmed with my job. So I can imagine it being (laughs) even more so when you're, you know, the business owner wearing so many different hats. And that's why I feel like I love what I do, because I know, you know, it's, it's really helpful to have someone who's there to kind of, you know, specialize in that area. But yeah, people are always like feeling bad that they don't know all the things about social media. And it's just, it's not realistic. And it's not like a natural thing. (laughs) It's just a very new thing in the last, I'm going to even say, just the last three years, not even five, I would say the last three is when it's become like really intense with social media.
1: <laughs> yeah, since the beginning of the pandemic when like TikTok kind of came up and I still don't have a TikTok. I <laughs> there's just something that's keeping me from it because I don't want to spend even more time scrolling yeah. on anything, you know. And um yeah, I would say also, yeah, probably the last like probably when stories really started to like become huge. Yeah, you know. And when things start changing from being like very naturally um you know your posts being very real to very aesthetic that was a big change as well and i think for a small business that's just starting out that maybe doesn't have the amount of money to spend on a coordinator or a, you know branding agency or something it can be very overwhelming cuz you're trying to do it all right? yeah yes you're trying to learn how to take pictures and edit the pictures and do your website and you know and I'm at the point now where I'm able to kind of farm out some of the those jobs, um, but I got to pick and choose which jobs I want to do. But I do enjoy social media in a way because that's where I connect with my customers a mm-hmm. lot of the time. So that's the one thing i I do think is positive about it is you can really connect with a lot of people on there.
0: Yes, and honestly, I think you do a phenomenal job running your page with your team because literally, even when I first started my business, I remember looking at your stories and being like, okay, when I have, you know, a clothing store or a retail company as one of my clients, I'm going to tell them to hop on stories and do what you're doing because literally it works. Do you know how many times I have purchased something because I saw it on your story? And I'm well, like, Hannah does
1: a great job at all of her try-ons for me.
0: She's yes. kind of
1: more of the age that like, you know, she does all my, all of the reels. Thank God for Hannah because like, it <laughs> really helps me with all that. But I appreciate the compliment because sometimes it's hard to um, to do and put yourself out there. But I think, you know, when you connect with people on a little bit more of a personal level, I think people relate a little bit more to you.
0: I agree. And yes, Hannah's content is incredible. Like there's been so many times where I'm not on Instagram to shop, I'm doing market research for clients. And then Style Bar pops up. I'm like, oh, well, those are really cute. I might as well just get them or, okay, they're having a sale. Well, it just makes sense, you know? (laughs) So obviously what you're doing is working. And I think, um, yeah, I think you do a really great job of connecting with your audience as well. Because sometimes you'll pop on the story and, you know, it's literally your face and you're talking about your day. And I love that. And I feel like it's important for people to see that. That's that's something that was one of my New Year's resolutions,
1: actually. (laughs) was to be more more face forward again because I was the face of the business for so long. And then I took a step back when I had kids. And um but then I had a lot of people, I had someone message me once and say, How do you do it all? How are you running a business, being a parent, making it look so easy? Yeah. And I remember just thinking to myself, is that what I'm portraying right now? Because it's not. It's not easy. And it's half the time I'm, you know, in bed crying. So I'm just like so overwhelmed with babies crying and drop-offs for school and social media. And, um, you know, so when someone said that to me, I was like, hey, I just need to be a little more real on here. Like I thought I was being real, but, you know, obviously you curate a lot. And um, so one of my New Year's resolutions this year or goals this year was to be a little bit more active again on social media with my life and um it's hard for me to do because I'm not an overly um I don't share a lot on my social media in general but so it's going to take a little bit of time but I that's one I'm committed to doing it
0: I love that and that's actually really interesting you bring that up because even for me I feel like I've gotten a lot of messages of people saying like, oh, you know, what a dream life you have. And so amazing. You're working, you know, poolside with your laptop, whatever, for Melrose. And while that's true and I love my life and I love the flexibility and I I love, you know, Melrose. But they're like you, I spend a lot of time crying. I spend a lot of time being overwhelmed. I spend a lot of time on discovery calls that never end up being anything of, you know, clients you know changing their mind about different things like there's a lot behind the scenes and I feel like that's also one of my goals just to be a little bit more real on social media not that we owe anything to anyone it's just you know it's nice to to show people the real side of it and also just to help people not feel like they're lacking because I feel there's a lot of highlight reels on social media and I think we don't necessarily purposely curate things to a certain degree. I'm sure there are tons of people who do, but I think it's just when you're feeling down and you're crying, you're not going to take out your phone and be like, hey guys, you know, like it's just like, not- I love this picture
1: of me and my family. <laughs> Let's post that one.
0: Yes, exactly. Like I'm not really feeling in the mood to pick up the camera when I'm feeling down, but I think it is something really important to, even just to connect with people, just to show them like you're human, <laughs> you know, okay
1: totally there's a lot of sometimes when you don't know the face behind a business it doesn't feel personal to me and mm-hmm. I just don't connect with them that much um so I just want to have that connection with my customers again because I miss it you know I'm at home with my kids and sometimes all I want is adult conversation <laughs> you know, like adult interaction and sharing my life like some of it's funny some of my most um, stories that people react to the most are ones when I share about the books I'm reading Yes, <laughs> I read a lot and you know I people message me all the time "What book are you reading I need a recommendation so like people seem to react to that and then when I post pictures of my dog or my kids <laughs> to be what people want to see um and I don't know whether that's because people like to see the little bit of background or you know but yeah I enjoy doing it and Showing people a little bit more behind the scenes and show that it's not just a robot doing social media.
0: Yes. And I think we're actually kind of reaching a turning point with social media. I feel like last year or even two years ago, it was very important to have a perfectly aesthetic feed. Everything needed to look so good, so aesthetic. But now I feel like we're entering this like era of we're craving that realness again. We're craving that connection. We're craving the less curated. And I think. People buy from people. They buy when they feel a connection or they buy when you're solving a problem for them. Um, Obviously, you're solving the problem of cute outfits because StyleBar has a million things that you could wear. But I feel like, you know, you and even the girls you have working with you, um, they're the ones who put a lot more personality behind it. And I think that will you know, form better relationships long term when they see just little snippets of who you are and who's behind the brand. And, you know, what's the heart behind it? Because I know for me, that definitely changes things. Yeah, completely. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also ask about the whole delegating thing, because we were just talking about, you know, picking and choosing what you're delegating. Obviously, you have staff. So what was that? experience like for you? I'm assuming in the beginning, it was just you opening this store. Now, obviously, you have a team. What was that experience like for you? How did that all start?
1: Um, you know, when I first started, I kind of was, I was there every day for years. I was, you know, when you came in, it was me. And if you came in on a Sunday, it's the only day that I usually would try and take off is a Sunday. So I only had to pay somebody like eight hours every two weeks pretty much cuz i you know that was an expense that i didn't i couldn't afford to accumulate so um it wasn't until i had kids probably that i was like mm-hmm. i'm going to take some time off and covid kind of forced to take time off but the hard thing with covid was it was just there was so much uncertainty with covid that was i going to be able to afford someone to pay someone to tip stuff out for me or do this for me you know, because you didn't know what was gonna happen. So um pretty much everyone was gone at the beginning of COVID. Um, but Hannah, you know, kept coming and helping. So she has always she's been like my right hand girl for oh gosh, she's gonna be here for five years now. Oh no. yeah, and the girl before Hannah, like I've had I've had lots of girls and I have Kat too, which is she's fantastic. Um, Firstin was with me from the day I started until Probably worked a shift for me last year, right? She's like almost 10 years. And um, so I have like some really good long term people that I can really rely on. And I've always said sometimes employees for me, they don't need to be perfectly dressed and all this stuff. I would rather have somebody who is kind and nice and welcomes people and makes people feel good about themselves and someone I can trust in there too, right? um that's kind of how I've picked my girls is my instinct and my gut feeling of who these people are and are they kind and are they gonna make whoever comes in feel welcome and and you know help them out um without feeling pushy and things like that because that's not what I want like if someone asks me an honest opinion about something they're wearing I'm going to give them an honest opinion because I don't want them to go home and be like tried to sell me this dress (laughs) and it looks horrible from the back now that I'm seeing it with a mirror and I just wanted my money you know that's not what I'd ever want I'd rather have them to be able to leave with nothing and have a positive experience than leave and be like this girl pushed me into buying something because I've been in that situation before and you go home and you're like never gonna wear this but I don't feel comfortable going and returning it and you know, it's like it's such a horrible cycle so um you know I pick my girls like that and I would say I really started delegating yeah when I had kids because I was forced to because I just didn't have the time or the capacity to do a lot of it um I still do a lot myself I but um my girls definitely take initiative with seeing how I'm doing if you know They know things are coming up. They message me, can I help you with this, help you with that? So I'm still not the best at delegating, um, but I'm getting better. Um, But I think because they've been with me for so long, they just know the flow of things too. So, you know, I still do every buy. I do all my buying. Um, I do all of the back-end accounting, bookkeeping, things like that. That stuff I won't give up, Um, but they definitely help me with the day-to-day and social media and you know, content calendars and things.
0: Wow. That's so crazy that you're still doing all of your own accounting, bookkeeping, buying like everything. You still have a very big role in your company.
1: Yeah. It's just more of a backseat role now. Right. Like I, and you know what? It's funny. I, when I first started the business design was something I wanted to go into. I wanted to design my own line, have it in the store. And I've kind of evolved into just loving running the business which is Mm -hmm. you know I enjoy running the business and I enjoy the numbers and I enjoy um you know planning and things like that so I I enjoy that part so much that I like that I can do that still and do it from home and you know I I work most nights after the kids go to bed but I'll take the days off when they're awake and it's okay with me right? I you know, I don't have to work a nine to five, which, you know, is one of the the big takeaways of owning your own business.
0: Yeah. And I, I want to hone in on something you said there, because I feel like sometimes on social media, we see these like business owners who are like, I don't work at all. And I make tons of money, which is great. And kudos to those people. You know, obviously, if you can work less and make more, that's beautiful. But also, I think we need to remember, like, what brings us joy in our businesses and the things that we enjoy doing, even though we are doing it ourselves, you know, because, you know, there's that super cliche quote, I'm probably butchering this, but they always say, like, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But I do think work can be fun. And I do think like, for me, there's certain things that make me feel like I have a purpose in my business that I really enjoy doing. So I think often we're kind of like convinced that you need to delegate anything and everything to grow. And I am a big fan of delegating because I definitely think for me, that's been a game changer with my business, not being involved in every single nitty gritty detail, but I do think there's so much value in like continuing to do the things that you love (laughs) within your business.
1: And I think, you know if you're okay building the business up and then stepping away and not having your hands in it, then you do you, but that is not me right like i this is my business that I you know worked wet and tears for ten years, and there's no way that I'm going to be able just to like hand it off to somebody and hope that they do what I'd want them to do, you know, like maybe there'll come a time I don't know, but I did this I opened the business for a reason and i I opened it to. Have something to do for a long time that I love. You know, I, money's great. You'd like that you can travel, but I'm not, and I tell people this all the time I'm not a stay at home mom type person. I am a busy person. I love my kids. I love being with them, but I need a bigger purpose for me, right? I need something to do every day. And if I don't have work to do, I get very crazy. I'm like, what can I do? What, can I plan, you know, I enjoy being busy. I've never been able in the last 10 years, even when you take vacation, I'm still checking <laughs> numbers. I'm still checking DMs. I'm still, you know, all of that. There's no way I can just turn my brain off. Sometimes I wish I could for sure, but I think that's part of being a business owner. But yeah, I enjoy what I do. So I want to continue to do it. And if I continue to do it, then the business is going to still hopefully be able to thrive and I'll be able to do it for a lot longer. And I want my girls to see me working hard too. I want my daughters to grow up. seeing that.
0: Yes. And I think you have just such an incredible outlook on this whole thing. And I think obviously there's, you know, there's sometimes where I feel for myself that it could be a little unhealthy that I'm refreshing my emails 24 seven, but on the flip side, like, you know, if we love what we do and this genuinely brings us joy, I think this is something that we're not talking about often enough where, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, you work too hard, take a vacation. But what if you just love it? And what if that's what does bring you joy? And You know, there is, you know, a give and take. There should be a little bit of balance here and there. But I'm the same way. I could not go on a vacation and lay on a beach for eight days straight. Like I probably could, but I would still want to do some other stuff in there you know some content creation some podcast recordings like i did a few recordings while i was away on my last trip and it genuinely like made me happy to do that because i love to do it so i think that's something that's not talked about enough is just like it's okay to want to be busy if that's what genuinely makes you happy <laughs> totally completely yeah it's you know it's different if you dread
1: it and you're like it's draining you and yeah. even if you love it it can drain you 100% there's Ebbs and flows with everything. But I genuinely love doing what I do. And even like I was slow for a little bit. There's not much for me to do right when I first had my last daughter. And I built two of my friends' websites because I just wanted something to do. And they were they were like, Are you sure you have time? They're like you just had a kid. And it's like, when I'm watching TV, I like to be busy, you know, and I, I don't want to be scrolling. So yeah, I built two, two of my friends' websites. Um, because I just a want to support my friends and I want to see their businesses thrive, but b I also want to stay busy. That's something to do.
0: <laughs> Good for you. And honestly, I feel like this this episode has just opened my eyes to like how cool this whole story is. How cool you are! Like you know, just all of your experience. Like I've always loved Style Bar, and I feel like for me. I didn't necessarily know your background, but I knew when I walked in, I would be greeted, I would have someone help me, I would feel comfortable. And I think going back to what you were talking about, you know, not wanting to just take people's money. And it's better if they leave without anything, but having a good experience. And I, 1000% agree with that, because I feel like, you know, if I leave, because I felt pressure to buy something guaranteed, I'm not going back, because that's not A nice feeling i would rather leave and be like okay there's lots of cute stuff maybe just you know i'm gonna come back in a couple weeks or see when they have their new drop and that's how i feel when i come to style bar sometimes i would say nine times out of ten i leave with something there's the odd time that like there's something not in my size or whatever but i know i'm coming back because i've had a good experience and i think that's what sets you apart from you know others in the industry even like especially coming from that background in la i think now it's changed but before people were like, it was almost good to be snobby in a store because, you know, you were shopping at the cool place. And I think they're kind of infamous for like that type of bad customer service. And I think now it's sort of changing, but I can definitely say like of all the years I've shopped at Stylebar, it's been very consistent with like good service. I feel comfortable and there's no pressure when you're shopping. That makes me happy to hear. It, <laughs> it, it
1: really does. It like it just that's what i strive to do and and so to know that my girls are doing it as well is is huge.
0: Yes, they are and i feel like you have a perfectly curated team for for what your goals are and and the heart behind your brand. Um but i feel like i've just had the best time hanging out with you. I feel like we just sat down for a coffee and i got to like pick your brain about all things fashion and business, but my final question for you is do you actually two questions. Um, Do you have like an overarching piece of advice for anybody who wants to do what you're doing in the fashion industry, open a boutique, maybe an online store, maybe they want to design a line? Like what do you have an overarching piece of advice for those people? Um,
1: I would say for me, my biggest takeaway was I worked in the industry before I did it. So I worked in the manufacturing process I worked in the design process I worked in all of that so I really had a good understanding of how things happened and the buying process so I would say definitely kind of get your foot in the door by learning it that way because throwing yourself in head first can be very daunting and overwhelming for sure um so I'd say that I would say for me lately. I've joined a mastermind and I have been able to connect with some very like minded individuals, and that brought me tons of value. And I feel like social networking and having, you know, building that team around you of supporters and people you can confide in is huge. Yes. You know, someone that you can bounce ideas off of, um, you know, and doesn't have to be competition. So
0: yes, those are two really great pieces of advice and obviously from someone who's done it. So thank you for sharing that. And my final question is where do you see yourself in 5 years from now? And it's okay if you don't know because that's a very loaded question. <laughs> um
1: I see myself um kind of back in the day-to-day a little bit more in the store um because my kids will be old enough, they'll be at school. Um I don't see myself opening a second location. I know a lot of people ask me that. Um, Mm. But I see myself hopefully growing my e-commerce business with a bigger reach, you know, across Canada into the U.S. um, is kind of my goal. I, you know, want to bring, I want to keep the Osborne business as my center my the heart of the business like that's where we started that's where I want to stay um we recently bought the building so we are staying there for a long time Congratulations! yeah it was it was huge but um we bought it uh, about two summers ago so we will be there for a long time uh but yeah I just you know I love what I do and I obviously you want to grow it as much as you can but I think there's a there's a ceiling, you can grow a brick and mortar, and um especially within one city, a small city. So e-com is kind of my next step when it comes to reach. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm
0: not hundred percent, but that's kind of where my brain is at. I love that. That's so incredible. And this interview has been so incredible. Thank you for hanging out with us and dropping all of these gems and telling us about Lauren Conrad and Heidi. Um <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, your website, socials, all the things? Yeah. So we are at Style Bar WPG
1: on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Um, And we are ShopStyleBar.com online if you want to check out all of the stuff. We have everything that's in-store is online. Our inventory is synced. So um, if you see something online that you want to try on in-store, it's there for you.
0: Amazing. And do we want to end this off with a little style bar giveaway? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. What, what are we giving away?
1: Well, we could do a Valentine's Day gift box. We are debuting those next week. So they will be curated with fun little things for your Valentine's Day. So if you want to gift it to somebody, you can gift it to somebody. We can send it for you or you can keep it for yourself and have a nice little treat yourself
0: amazing well thank you so much and is this for Winnipeg across Canada like who can enter
1: um I guess anyone can enter um Winnipeg we'd be able to do a little bit more of a nice delivery to it but we can definitely ship it out to you if you are outside of Winnipeg as well
0: okay sounds good I will have all the details for how to enter in the show notes and thank you so much again Reagan for being part of this episode I had so much fun If you guys want to keep up with me, you already know where to find me. You can hit me up on Instagram at Taylor Francisco at Tiny Moments Podcast or at Melrose Marketing Studio. And I upload new episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week.